Welcome to episode 55 of the G2 on 5G. It's the latest insight scoop on everything 5G. We cover six topics in about 15 minutes, and it's brought to you by More Insights and Strategy. I'm Will Townsend, and joining me again this week is Angel Sag, and we're excited to have Diana from Fierce Wireless on again. So let's get started with my first topic. This week, Reliance Jio uh, commenced 5G standalone trials ahead of Spectrum auctions in India. Those auctions are slated for the second half of next year. And what's interesting is uh, they got approval to run these trials on both mid-band and millimeter wave spectrum. So this is 3.5 gigahertz in the mid-band and 26 gigahertz in the millimeter wave. And again, um, first half, second half, or when you know these auctions are expected. And Reliance has been you know, a real innovator. I mean, they leveraged a lot of disaggregation to get their LTE network off the ground. Um, there was also, um, details in this release that they're going to be using equipment from the usual suspects. Uh, it looks like Samsung, Nokia, and Ericsson, as well as um, a local provider of equipment called CDOT, who I'm, I'm not too familiar with. But will this, in the end, give them a leg up on their competitors? Um, they've been very disruptive. And, you know, and obviously, their competitors are able to trial as well. But um, I'm actually quite impressed that they're they're focused on SA, and you know I believe you know and I've you know I've written about them before you know they are a real innovator and um, they're leaning heavily into software defined networking tools and so it'll be interesting to see what happens. So I don't know Diana or Anshul if you caught this news this week, but any any insights? Maybe starting with you, Anshul. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that they are an interesting company. I'm curious to see if whether or not they will have their own proprietary heart, proprietary hardware, mm -hmm. because they were claiming that they were going to be doing that. Um, this doesn't seem to support that. I I think that they might still be developing their own hardware, and they're trialing other hardware that they would be using in conjunction with theirs. Mm -hmm. I'm not entirely sure what that will translate to, uh, but I've always been kind of skeptical about whether or not they'll even have their own hardware or if it'll be kind of a customized version of what vendors already have in market, because that's what makes the most sense. Um, but other than that, I think there are a lot of spectrum auctions coming up in India very soon in the 5G area, and they're going to need to make sure that they have the equipment that can run it. Yeah, I agree. I mean, in India, is a it's a challenging market, right? Um, and so they're going to have to be very aggressive with the infrastructure that they deploy. I mean, Diana, any, any thoughts here? Um, I, I wasn't too up to speed on this one this week, but I always find interesting, um, and to Anshul's point about the spectrum auctions coming up, I, I always find it interesting to look at which bands different countries are auctioning off, um, just to see how much alignment there is, especially for India, because it's such a large market, I feel like uh, it, it's more important to pay attention to what bands they're doing, because um, because of the size, they might be able to have some influence over where things are going. So again, that's not something that's in Reliance's control, um, but it's very interesting for me to watch just uh, as I keep an eye on the space. Great, great insights. Well, Diana, let's move to your first topic this week. You wanna talk about a Dish Dell tie-up for 5G. Yeah, um, so this week, uh, I mean, Dish tapped another vendor and it was Dell. Um, and what they're gonna be using them for is 5G Edge Cloud. Um, and the interesting part here is Dell is going to be providing both hardware and software uh, to kind of help com push compute uh, closer to the edge. 
You might have um, heard earlier that they had tapped AWS for um, hosting their 5G RAN and cloud, um, but dish executives uh, spoke to um, our editor-in-chief, Linda Hardesi, and kind of told her that the, the idea is to push the compute closer to the cell tower. So AWS kind of has those large zones, um, and then what they're going to be doing with Dell is pushing um, compute to the, the bottom of these towers. Um, and basically, uh, they kind of outlined the idea of having different tiers of edge compute. Um, so again, AWS, the broad zone, then there's going to be a middle tier of sites between the public cloud and cell towers. Uh, and then a smaller tier, kind of more niche uh, between the cell towers and at enterprise locations. So I think that's really interesting. I'm not sure what you guys make of this. It, it's kind of just one in a string of vendor announcements from DISH, isn't it? Yeah, certainly. I mean, I'll, I'll come in here. So Dell um, had a, a telco virtual event on June 9th. And actually, I was traveling uh, in Hawaii, swimming with turtles and logging into different virtual events. And, and this is something that Dell definitely spoke to, Michael Dell definitely spoke to. And, um, you know, what's interesting, you know, Dell has sort of dipped its foot in the telco space. Um, I don't think they had the right alignment. I don't think they had the right, you know, reporting structure. Um, now the executive that's leading um, Dell's telco team is actually reporting directly to Jeff Clark, who is uh, the CEO and you know number two to Michael Dell. Dell is serious about 5G, and they they are definitely behind um, their competitor in HPE. But um, Dell is very formidable. Like when you look at you know their penetration, you know with with servers, um, it doesn't. I mean, it stands to reason that. Um, they can bring the right resources in, you know, get the telco grade, you know, NEB certification, that sort of thing, and really make a run at this. And certainly, um, you know, again, edge is something that, you know, that's that's, you know, it's 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 a huge growth opportunity. I think especially, you know, HPE has demonstrated some some success with their smaller form factors um, that can be easily more easily deployed <clears throat> in the field, you know, on towers and that sort of thing. But um, I think this is an interesting tie-up and. You know, Dish is certainly they're they're touting that they plan to be the first you know completely cloud native virtualized five um, G deployment in the U.S. So I don't, Anshul, do you have any further insight into that? Um, I was just going to add that I think it's interesting that this is one of their um, first U.S. vendors for hardware. Um, they've been working with some Asian vendors on their radio network, um, so it's interesting to see that they're finally committing a little bit more to utilizing, um, you know, US suppliers for hardware. Um, and Dell's obviously one of those. And I think if you look at it, you know, Dell's been a, a big supporter of all the opportunities that would give them an in on a 5G network. So it makes sense that Dish would be one of the first to kind of adopt Dell as a potential vendor in their network or so I'm not even sure it's potential at this point. <laughs> yeah, no, I think it's foregone. And, you know, and certainly OpenRAN, you know, at, at this conference on the ninth, this virtual conference, Michael Dell spoke to the fact that, you know, their DNA is, is industry standard, it's open architecture, and that they view, you know, OpenRAN as another opportunity as well. So it'll be interesting to see how things develop here. So cool. Yeah, Let's I toss it to you, Ansel. Yeah, so my first topic is about Dish as well. Uh, this one is more about the fact that they have uh, kind of started to brand their 5G network um, and that they've opened signups 
for their 5G network uh, on their website and they're calling it uh, Project Genesis. Um, but one of the S's in the word Genesis is a five, uh, which is very edgy. Um, and basically, the, you know, they're just trying no pun to... pun intended on the edge. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> unintended. Um, but uh, I think that if you look at, like, what they're doing right now, um, it's not really clear whether that this will be a long-term branding for their 5G network or if this is just kind of a a placeholder at this time. Um, they are taking signups. And if you go to the website, there's very little information. Um, it just looks like it's a rock band with some weird waves. Um, <laughs> and then you can enter your zip code, your email, your phone number, um, and you request access um, to the network. So uh, I think that this is kind of the beginning for them. Uh, we'll see how things move forward and how they you know, start to give people more information about what they're doing with their network. But I'd love to hear what you guys think of thought of this, uh, maybe starting with Diana. I think it's interesting because I think um, having this website up kind of gives them a, an idea, I guess, of where there's interest, right? So, I mean, if they're getting everybody's zip code, they're, they're seeing where uh, people are demanding this. So I guess maybe that'll help them kind of scope out which markets they want to launch first. Um, Cause I know, I think they had said Las Vegas was the first one that they were bringing on. Um, but this might help them kind of narrow down some of the other options. I think your categories too, Diane. <laughs> <I know>. <laughs> <laughs> he really, really wants to be. <laughs> well, let's, let's, let's see her or him. Yeah. Like I, oh, my girlfriend's cat usually joins me on these huh? as well. And she's equally as vocal. So. <laughs> Sorry. He really just wants to sit on me. Uh, but we, we can not do that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, Diana, I tend to agree with you. I mean, I think this is a, this is a tool for them to determine how they should prioritize their, their, their market rollouts. I mean, dish has been somewhat, you know, in stealth mode. I mean, you know, there was there weren't a lot of details until recently. You know, with with their uh, with their big announcement about you know focusing on cloud native and some of their partners there. So I think you know this is just a way for them. You know to, to you know they, they've got to put a stake in the ground somewhere, right? And I'm I'm curious though. Like I'm, I I caught the announcement. I didn't really dig into it. Did, did either of you find any sort of like definitive dates on 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 service availability or? Was it pretty, was it just pretty kind of high level? I didn't look too deeply at the website, but I don't think there was too much to click through to anyway, aside from providing your location. Uh, Angel, maybe you, okay. So what they, what they are committed to uh, with their spectrum holdings and with the agreements that they've made with the US government, um, they're committed to cover 20% of the United States population by June of 2022. Okay. Um, and 70% by June of 2023, which is a lot. Um, so I'm not entirely sure they'll ever actually, if they'll even hit those dates, but those are the dates that they have committed to uh, in their agreement with the Department of Justice. So that's kind of the time frame I think we're looking at. Um, you know, 20% of the US population is about, what, 60 million? So um, it's... It's a few metros. If you if you cover a few big metros, you can get that. Um, so I think that's doable. But 2022, that that's a year from now. So um, they get a they better get started soon if they want to hit that 20 June 2022 date. Um, yeah, 
that's what we've all been waiting on. Like, but yeah, um, that, that kind of, I think that kind of wraps up the discussion for that topic. So, uh, Will, what's your second topic? Yeah, so I want to talk about Ericsson. So they weighed in on um, expected 5G subscriber numbers through the end of this year and the, through 2026. So, um, and a couple of interesting statistics. So um, they're forecasting that um, we should hit 580 million subscribers by the end of the year globally, which would make um, the 5G deployment the fastest deployment of any of the Gs, which is no surprise. Um, they're also estimating that by the end of 2026, that subscriber numbers would total 3.5 billion or 40% of all global users. And what I also found interesting is that they're also predicting that sort of based on these numbers, that um, the monthly average data consumption is expected to um, increase from what's on average 10 gigabits per month um, in today's world to over 35 gigabits um, once we get to full deployment by, by 2026. So, and that's not surprising, you know, given, you know, the applications and the use cases are gonna be very data hungry. So um, I don't think there's any, any, uh, any revelations here. I think these numbers probably jive with what, you know, our assumptions were, but Diana, let's start with you. Any, any insights? Um, I think it's kind of all what we already expected, right? Uh, so uh, the 5G rollouts in a lot of the big markets, you know, the US, China are kind of moving along a pace. So I, I don't think there's anything uh, unexpected in this report, um, but I will find it interesting to see if kind of Ericsson goes into deeper depth on the difference between um, maybe fixed wireless versus uh, mobility use cases for 5G in future. Um, granted, I know fixed wireless is, as the name implies, a, a more fixed rather than mobility use case, but still I think it's something to, to keep track of given how many people uh, or how many players in the market are, are looking at that. So I would love to see a breakdown of that going forward um, from them. That's great insight. Anshul, any, anything to add? Yeah, I mean, these are good reports. Um, Ericsson does these about once a year. Uh, this is their 2021 mobile report. Um, and it's 36 pages. It's a good read. Uh, I haven't had a chance to fully read it yet, but there's usually lots of good data. There is a 5G commercial launch uh, driving fixed wireless offerings page. So um, they're expecting that 90% of service providers will have launched 5G and have a fixed wireless offering um, by 2026. So, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of really good data in here. And honestly, from my experience, I've been reading these for years. Ericsson's usually bang on with these numbers. They're almost, yeah. they're almost perfect. Um, and they're, they're just a really good resource. I think if you're really curious about where, um, we should expect things to go, I thought, I, I feel like Ericsson's numbers are usually pretty conservative. Um, they're not overly optimistic. Um, and as a result, they've they've been pretty accurate. And to your statement, I do agree that um, all the all the things are pointing towards five G being the fastest rollout of any G, um, and also the most complex um, because there's new hardware needs to be implemented both in devices and in the infrastructure. And you know there have to be all entirely new types of software um, implemented as well. So it's a complete redo. And I think the way that they've implemented it um, has made it a little bit less painful um, with NSA and SA, but obviously that confuses people as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I hear you. And, you know, and yeah, you're right. There is complexity with all the software integration, especially 
with you know investigations and open ran you know, and the integration that occurs there. But I'll also say that 5G is inherently more software defined than any other G in the past. And so I think that's where we're seeing some of the agility. But then with some operators like Rakuten in Japan, they've had some hiccups with, with the complexity of the software integration. So this will be something that we definitely keep our eyes on and report back to our viewers and our listeners. But let's move to Diana's second topic this week. And I read this news as well. So um, AT&T is uh, partnered with Nokia to trial um, some of their C-band spectrum assets. Yeah. So, I mean, I think all eyes right now in the U.S. are on C-band. Um, there's uh, a lot going on in terms of trials, uh, if you kind of rifle through the FCC filings, which uh, Bevan did and, and kind of um, has been doing in Monica as well uh, from our team. But uh, in this case, uh, what happened was um, Nokia and AT&T teamed up on a field trial and made the first call on C-band. Um, and, and that's kind of significant because the first uh, kind of tranche of C-band spectrum is opening up, I think it's in December of this year. Um, mm -hmm. So that's pretty significant. Uh, they had done an initial trial, I think back in April, um, but the one that they did where they made this call actually used uh, commercial equipment. So they used Nokia's Airscape, <laughs> air scale big band <laughs> and 5g massive mimo uh c-band radio uh as well as a smartphone with um qualcomm's x55 5g modem in there um and so we know that this trial occurred with nokia and that AT&T, I think, has announced them as one of their C-band vendors, but they've also applied to conduct C-band trials with Ericsson. So uh, that's kind of floating around in the background. Um, it'll be interesting to keep track of that. And of course, all of this kind of comes in the context of uh, Verizon is also um, angling at C-band. Right. I think they had announced it was Ericsson and Samsung were their vendors. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's just interesting to see this all come together. And they're they're clearly laying the groundwork so that as soon as the spectrum is cleared, they're going to jump on it. And that'll kind of not immediately, but very quickly change the game because as to date, I mean, T-Mobile has kind of had an advantage in terms of uh, mid-band spectrum holdings. So it'll be interesting to see how this all changes the landscape. Uh, but uh, over to you guys, if you guys have any comments, Anshul. Yeah, I, I think it's good. Um, I think it's, it's great that AT&T is getting 40 megahertz at the same time Verizon's getting, getting 60. Um, and both companies are obviously being very aggressive with how they're uh, planning to roll this out. Um, I think my one concern that I, I personally have um, is I've watched T-Mobile's rollout happen and it's been happening you know, for the last six months, not longer, and it's still fairly spotty. And their, 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 their band has much better propagation and they have more cell sites. Um, so I think it's going to be a much longer deployment for AT&T and Verizon than I think anyone really realizes or that the operators are willing to lead on. Um, so I do think it's going to be a much longer process to really realize the benefits of C-band, especially on AT&T and Verizon. Um, so I think it's going to be a long time until people really start to see ubiquitous coverage, but it's still going to be better than whatever either companies had on millimeter wave. Yeah. And we, Angela, you and I have talked about this on prior podcasts. So the, the characteristic of the, of this mid-band spectrum does require densification. You know, I've spoken to AT&T executives and, you know, they tell me, Hey, you know, we're not, we're not really concerned about that because we have underutilized, um, you know, small cells. That's, that's what they say. 
and if they can light that up and, and that's going to that's going to help you know with um, their rollout of cban um i don't hear that from verizon and so i i think when, when you look at when you sort of look at the three big players in the u.s certainly t-mobile has a lead we've spoken about that before but i think at&t can be a fast follower i i think verizon's going to struggle um, it's going to require them to invest, you know, in a tremendous, you know, amount of, um, of density um, to, to, to get that network, you know, um, high enough quality. And so but time will tell, but that's just sort of my take on it. Awesome. And I think back to Angel for the last topic, right? Yeah. Yeah. Let's wrap it up. So uh, my last topic is technically a 6G topic. Uh, but I think in our in our podcast, since we're talking about 5G so much, 6G is a natural progression. Um, <laughs> and so this announcement comes from Samsung. Um, it's a partnership with UCSB, also known as UC Santa Barbara. Um, go banana slugs. Uh, and uh, yeah, that's their mascot, if you didn't know. Um, so they're testing the applications of terahertz spectrum for 6G communications. Um, and that would be a uh, end-to-end demonstration of a 140 gigahertz uh, wireless link using fully digital beamforming. Um, and obviously that 140 hertz is a much higher frequency than what we're currently using in 28 or 39. Um, so it's gonna obviously behave very differently, be much more sensitive to blocking, but also it requires much more intelligent beamforming to go around obstacles. So, um, you know, they're, they're starting out with 140, um, but there's also the potential to go up to 300 and beyond. Um, and essentially what they're doing is they're, they're kind of working together to create RFICs um, and they're already, you know, achieving certain throughputs of uh, 6.2 gigabits per second over 15 meter distance, um, which is actually comparable to what 5G can do already. Um, but that's obviously because 5G is, you know, a decade in, in development. Uh, so 6G has some time to improve. Um, and yeah, this is kind of the beginning of that. And it, I think it also shows that Samsung is making investments in 6G very early. Um, and they did it with 5G as well. And I think it paid off fairly well for them. If you look at, you know, how Samsung Networks is doing today versus five years ago. Um, so I think this is a, a big deal. Um, and we'll see, you know, what what other things come of this partnership with UCSB. Um, but in general, I, I think it's pretty positive and I'd love to hear what you guys think. Yeah, I mean, I'll start there. So I, I saw this news and also something came over, come, came over our email. You probably saw it as well, Anshul. Um, they had um, produced a white paper, I think about a year ago, and they sort of just reshared it. Um, this week, you know, obviously in conjunction with um, with the news that you're sharing here. And so, you know, from my perspective, I, I really think this is like Samsung Networks views this as an opportunity for them to differentiate themselves because they've been a fast follower, right? Like certainly, you know, with respect to RAN and that sort of thing. And it wasn't really until 5G that Samsung was able to sort of grow out of their core, you know, Korean and Asian markets. And so I think this is smart on their part is that they, they want to get ahead of it, even though, you know, standard, I mean, we're not even, you know, out of 3GPP standard for 6G right now, but I think, you know, kudos to them because they're, they're taking this opportunity to, 
to try to differentiate themselves relative to their their traditional competitors and Ericsson and you know and Nokia and and Huawei to a lesser extent. Diana, any any thoughts? Yeah, uh, just from my perspective, you know, zooming out a little bit, um, I think it's interesting to watch how much work is happening on 6G already, and you know, it's it's still almost a decade away, or at least by uh, the estimates that people have kind of put out there. And um, I, I, I'm, I'm sure you guys both saw that, I think it was the US and the UK are gonna be collaborating on 6G research. Uh, in recent months, the US has also signed agreements with, I think it was uh, Japan and South Korea um, to also do 6G uh, research. Um, and, mm -hmm. and so it's interesting to see all of the activity ramp up, both from a government perspective, and also there, there are those, um, 6G groups that have kind of formed um, yeah. both in the US, um, you know, you have the 6G flagship over uh, in Europe. So there's a lot that's going on. And, and just for me, it's exciting to kind of watch the birth of something and, and watch the, the development of all of these foundational technologies that are, that are going to enable things we can't even imagine yet. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, well, that's a great way to wrap it up. Um, so I guess we'll, we'll, we'll finish it there and say, um, that we hope our viewers and listeners found this week's topics interesting. Uh, if anyone out there would like to provide us insight on a specific 5G topic for a future podcast, please reach out to us on social media. Uh, Diana's at Marie's Beat, Will is at Whale Town Tech, and I'm at Anshel Sog. We hope you have a great weekend and please tune in again next week.